we talk about just throwing knockout punches and, and two feet. If we can do those two things, we're going to be pretty successful. Then I'll take my chances with that. Hello and welcome to Ahead of the Curve, your source for the most up-to-date coaching strategies for player and coaching development. This is Jonathan Gellner. Before we get started, I wanted to talk about something new with the podcast. I love the idea of being able to connect and share information with you guys, so I created a free Facebook group for coaches. If you're interested in being a part of the group, go to facebook.com and search Ahead of the Curve Coaches. I'll also leave a link in the show notes. Just to give a snapshot of what's going on in the group, several coaches and myself are starting a book of the month club for coaches who would love to go through a book and discuss how we can take strategies from the book and apply them to our programs. I'd love to have a ton of people join so we can all share ideas and stay in contact. And it's free, so what do you have to lose? On today's podcast, we're joined by Drury University pitching coach Eric Peterson. Coach Peterson gives us some insight as to why he individualizes every aspect of their pitching work. In short, he says he used to do a one-size-fits-all program, but it wasn't the best for his players. So after reflection and years of adjustments, he came up with the U program. Let's get right into the show with Coach Eric Peterson. Coach Peterson, thank you for joining us today. Hey, Coach. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Anything I can do to help grow the game uh, and help grow anybody that's interested, that, that's what I'm all about. They're really excited to have you on the show today. But for our listeners, can you tell us about your story and talk to us about why you got into coaching? Pretty simple. Um, I knew right away, probably from an early age, that I wanted to be in athletics. I wanted the opportunity to be able to coach every day, be able to reach out to a lot of people, make a lot of connections. My entire family's in athletics, whether it's in administration or in coaching. So I knew from an early age that I could find myself in the NCAA level or the college level coaching this great game. So it was an easy decision and it was one that I knew I wanted to have for a long time. Can you give us a short snapshot of your journey and where you're at now? Yeah, uh, I don't know how short I can do it. It's, it's been a crazy life. I've moved all over the country. Uh, I wouldn't trade any of it for anything, really, at this point. I started my playing career at the University of Kansas and finished up at Pittsburgh State University in, in southeast Kansas. And like I said, I knew I, I wanted a coach and wanted to be in athletics for uh, my profession. So I did my GA and got my grad degree at Pitt State and Went to Fort Scott Community College. It was my first collegiate job, paying job. And from there, I went to Niagara University in Western New York and chasing the D1 dream and got an opportunity to do that and went to the University of Kansas after that and was the director of baseball operations for my former head coach, Rich Price. And that experience was something that I cherish to this day. I, I, I use things that I've learned and the people that I've met up until this point and, and really for everything that I do. So after the University of Kansas, I got a position as the pitching coach at Eastern Michigan uh, under Jay Alexander. From there, I went to Drury University here in Springfield, Missouri with uh, Scott Nasby and, and been here for going to start on my fourth year now. So kind of a synopsis. I've uh, been a lot of different places, a lot of different parts of the country, but been a blast and, and it's it's fun chasing this thing. That's for sure. So talk to us about your current stop, Drury. Now, what does it mean for you guys to be a Drury Panther? What do you guys stress to your players? We stress being a good person, first and foremost. That's what we get. We recruit that. Uh, we make sure that that fits our, our first need, our first mold uh, of being a Panther. Uh, we got to be a good person. So uh, 
Um, and the second is being a good student. You, you hear the the name of you know student athlete, and some places it's not the athlete comes before the student, and it's just not the not the way it goes here. We're a private school, and academics mean a lot to our guys, and we talk about the four and the forty a lot. And what are we going to do as a coaching staff, and what are our guys going to do through their four years on campus that allows them to be great in the next forty? You know, when they're not on campus. So, uh, and then the last thing we talk about is being a Drury Panther is being excellent on the field uh, and whatever our jobs are, whatever our roles are, we're we're going to strive for excellence. We combine those three things, being a good person, being a good student, and, and being excellent on the field and whatever our responsibilities are. That's what a Drury Panther is. And we try to exceed at all three levels and all three phases. I've actually never heard that quote before, and that's I'm I'm gonna have to steal that from you. Four to forty, Do that's, it. that's awesome. Yeah, four the four and the forty. It's you know you get four years to figure out how the next forty are gonna play out and how you're gonna do that and how successful you're gonna be. And so it's important to us. It's uh, it's it's what we can help you do and what you can help your yourself do in those four years. So you're a must-follow on Twitter, by the way, and I think that you actually started the hashtag Darkside Twitter handle anyways. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, you know, Twitter is it's probably a sick addiction of mine, but you know, I, I tell you, there's so much good stuff out there. I, I can't. I can't. Uh, it's hard to not to be on there and, and learn something. I've learned so much through everybody that provides so much information and for the platform that it serves for at least me and myself and, and what I like out of it. I, I, I love every minute of it, so it's, it's fun. Well, you're just being humble. You are a must-follow. But I need to know, and I think that the people need to know, you hashtag two feet a lot. Like almost every I, pitching video that I see, that's that's a hashtag that you put on. So can you tell it, us what that means? Yeah, absolutely. It's it, it's really a standard. It's it, it's an athletic comment, right? And and when I go to describe it, I describe it as dunking a basketball or uh, even we'll stay within the sport and, and, and hitting a baseball. You're usually having your most success or your most power off of two feet. And, and you get off of, of those feet, you get out of balance, you get out of power. Your body doesn't seem to work as well or, or as efficient. You know, Kyle Body would talk about the, the kinetic chain and, and it's really hard to make the kinetic chain efficient if you don't have two feet working for you. And, and you think about going to dunk a basketball. There's not very many people in this, in this world that can dunk a basketball off one foot. And if they can, they're usually pretty tall individuals. So you, you gotta be powerful. You gotta, you gotta explode. And, and most of the time that's off two feet. If you think about hitting a tennis, uh, a tennis ball out of a serve and some of the best in the world hit it 120, 150, even more miles an hour, they're doing it off two feet. So, um, it's something that I watch. It's something that, uh, I see, you know, the transfer of weight, the transfer of power. And the one thing you see a lot is, is the feet are connected to the ground and they're using the power that they put in the ground to resonate back up and into their core and out through the ball. So, uh, it's just something that I, I like to show. Uh, I like to put out there that some of the best in the world are doing it this way. Uh, and it all starts and stops with those feet. So it's important to me and I, we try to, you know, influence our guys to do the same thing. Oh, that's great. And I love that explanation. And you're talking about being athletic means being on two feet. I think that's a, that's a great point. Yeah. Well, and, and it just, it doesn't within this, it's not within just baseball. It's, 
you know, when I explain it, it's in every sport. You think about every sport that involves explosive movements and power and, and generating power. You got to have two feet on the ground at some point. So uh, in, in order for that to work, it, it just makes sense to me. Absolutely. Well, let's get into the meat of the show. As you know, this show is player development based, and I'm a firm believer if you build better baseball players, you obviously build better teams. And so take us through a, well, at least your fall of what you guys do on a weekly basis. Yeah, well, uh, you know, you got to start probably with the foundation, and the foundation is the player themselves, and they have to have tools coming in, and everybody has a tool. Everybody has something that they can hang their hat on and and some have more than others some some have one and and that's where uh, i think we as a coaching staff especially at jury we do a good job of identifying what those strengths are coming in uh and then identifying what their weaknesses are and and how we can help them progress uh, i think that we do a really good job here of doing an individual based development it's not a one size fits all uh, like i said every guy has their tool and and what they're good at, and everybody has their their faults and what they need to improve at, and and a lot of the times they're not the same. And and we do a good job here, I feel like, of of identifying those early, and then trying to put a program in place where we can achieve success, development with each guy. And at the end of the day, we can go home and and say we got you know the one percent better, and we got a little bit better today, then we can get a little bit better tomorrow. So. That's where we start. The foundation of it is the player themselves. On the pitching side, at least, we, we give them the U program, which has been designed over the last 10, 11 years of my career. And it keeps developing. It keeps progressing into what fits for our guys, what, what fits for this group of players each year. And they give us suggestions all the time. They give us thoughts, and it's welcomed. It's asked for. And we're always trying to be better especially in a program type setting where uh, individual development is so important for us. So like I said, the U program is part of that and especially on the pitching side. No, and I have a copy of the U program and it is a fantastic resource. So thank you for sending that to me. Absolutely. There might not be any listeners who know what that is. So can you take us through what, what that is? Yeah, the U program, our, our guys get it an electronic copy, uh, kind of like you got. And then they get it in a, a hard copy, a spiral brown hard copy. And, and what, you, what, if you're looking at it and what it is, it's a, a daily conditioning program and a daily throwing program. And, uh, what it does is it works backward from the, from your live day. So anytime that you're getting on a mound in a, comp, a competition setting, uh, where you're facing batters, you're facing to get out. So this works backwards to try to get you most prepared for that situation, uh, to be the most successful. So. Uh, what we do is there's a bunch of boxes. There's a number of boxes and there's a completed column and, uh, on both the, the conditioning program and, and daily throwing program, uh, the, we basically ask you to build yourself. So we want you to complete each column, each box uh, in the program by the time that your live date starts. Uh, we don't care how you do it. We don't care when you do it, what the process of it is, as long as you write down what day you did it. So we can start building the U program, the perfect U program. Uh, in our specific uh, fall and in our specific program, there's 16 weeks. So we feel like through 16 weeks, our guys can build their individual U program, the perfect one. Uh, and then they can take that program and bring it into the spring where we start competing against outside competition in our championship segment. 
Um, and 16 weeks later, hopefully we're on the bottom of the dog pile and we've used our perfect U program to get there. So really what it is, is you are giving the players a bunch of different tools to use and they have to decide what works best for them and to take ownership of it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what the, the ownership and, and the responsibility, uh, is on them. And, you know, I find for a long time, I, I honestly, I, I threw a program out there and I said, this is what we're doing today. This is what we're doing tomorrow. And I gave them the seven week plan, but it, it didn't suit everybody. It was a one size fits all and, and it wasn't, uh, efficient for development. It wasn't for, for them, for an individual. It, it wasn't progressive and we needed to do something that they could take ownership over. They could have responsibility for where at the end of the day, it's up to them if they improved and, and how much they, they developed on a daily basis. And the game will tell the truth in the end. And they all know, they, they know how much they've worked they put into it and, and what they're going to get out of it. You know, coach used our assistant talks about it all the time. The game pays you back for what you put in and, and it's, uh, it's a hundred percent true. So. Basically, we we took all that and we took all that information and we gave them an, an opportunity to build their own program and and take what they put in or put in and get what they get out. I'm a firm believer that there is a certain bell curve that you can reach whenever you mm-hmm. throw a a program out there that everybody has to do. But it like you said, it doesn't fit everybody. And the only way to achieve success with every kid is to individualize it. So that's fantastic. Right, and and for a long time I described. I described the programs that I was running as a, as uh, we don't want to be robotical. We don't want to be, you know, 15 of the same guys and kind of tra- contradicting myself on what our throwing program, what our conditioning program was going to be by just giving a, a secular program. So, um, I had to take a look at myself in the mirror and, and really it took a tough year at, at two years ago at jury to say, Hey, I got to change some things and we got to get better and we got to make sure that we're progressing and, and we're not staying the same. And, and really this, this format of, of the U program took life and took shape then. And, and really it's, it's just been, it's been a great thing for our guys and, and the accountability side of it has gone through the roof. So uh, you've definitely seen a growth with, with at least our guys and, and, you know, the accountability and responsibility that they took for their own program and careers. So let's dig into a couple of details about what a typical week looks like for you guys. Do you guys have time restrictions? And if so, what are they? But, you know, just take us through Monday through Friday of, of the fall. Yeah. When we, when we start our fall practices, we have a certain amount of days that the NCAA allows us to, to practice with our guys. And, uh, and then we go into our individual segment and we're fortunate here. I have a GA, a pitching GA who, who played for me in my first year here and, has been with me the last two years and he's he's him and I's ideals about pitching uh, our philosophies and you know the way that we think about pitching we're you know we're right on page so he's a little bit younger than I am he's he sees it a little bit different and he can converse with the guys in a little bit different way so that obviously helps our program helps our pitching staff and helps me and and helps us be successful so with our time that we have we we know that we're limited per day with, with hours that uh, the NCAA allows us to have per day with our guys. And, you know, we have to take a day off a week. So that eliminates one day. So we get six days that we can get after it and we can develop and we can get to know our guys and, 
learn who they are and what they're working on and what they're trying to do to to be successful in the spring for us. And so this is where the U program comes into. Coach Nasby does a really good job of allowing the pitching staff to do their thing. Uh, we, we don't shag BP. We don't do anything like that. We, we have work time. We join, uh, you know, we join our defense for defensive work, but he gives us, you know, freedom, uh, of time and within the, the regiments of practice and the schedule of practice each day. So, and so that's what we do on the pitching side. He does a really good job on the offensive side and defensive side that he allows Coach Hughes and Coach Tavis to get their work in with their guys. And, and then we come back together as a team and, and make sure we're covering all our bases defensively and offensively and, and making sure we're back together as one. And there's something that I always try and add to practices, which is competition. Those are always the most fun whenever I was a player, and they're always the most fun whenever I'm a coach. So can you give us some ways that you guys integrate competition into your practices? Uh, yeah, man, we play. <laughs> we play every day. We we compete every day. So it takes some organization from the coaching staff part and, and being prepared and having the arms ready to go and, and compete against the other side. And we, we scrimmage a lot. We feel like the more we play, the better we get. And and the more live guys that you see, the better it is. So whether that's three innings, four innings, uh, depends on the day and uh, what day. And, and we've put the schedule together, and our guys really know what's going on month ahead of time. So all of our pitchers are mapped out with their live days uh, going four to six weeks at a time, and they know when they're going live against, you know, and they're scrimmaging every day. So they they can prepare for that, and they use the pro, the U program to do that. But we don't see anything that's more useful than, than competing, like you're talking about. And, and for us in, in this game is actually playing the game. So what we call is in, there's incentives and, and for, for the end of the game and, you know, whatever team loses has certain things they have to do and winners they have to do. So, but yeah, man, we scrimmage a lot and we, we compete against each other a lot in practice competition. That's how we do it. And the other aspect to dig in with you on is, team and leadership building. Uh, you mm-hmm. mentioned that you guys do the four for 40. So what are some specific ways that you guys integrate that? Well, I got to, I got to start with the foundation uh, as always. And we always start with the players and, and those guys are the ones that make this thing go and on and off the field. And, and really team leadership and building is uh, most of that is built off the field. And, you know, you, you get close by playing and, you get close by going through the grind of practices and morning lifts and conditioning and that kind of thing. But then you got the rest of, you know, your, your eight to 10 to 12 hours a day that you're with your team. So one thing that we implemented in a couple of years ago that I actually, Coach Hughes and I brought over and something we were familiar with, with my time at Eastern Michigan and, and Jay Alexander, this is where I got him from. But we, we talk about, um, having battalion leaders and, there's not a specific number of guys that lead groups. Uh, we don't do captains. We don't anoint captains. We do battalion leaders. And to become a battalion leader, you have to interview. Uh, you have to submit an application and interview within the staff. And Coach Nasby leads that. And like I said, it's not specific number of guys. It's uh, the guys that want to be battalion leaders and want to be group leaders and shows initiative and goes through the process and those guys are picked uh, by the coaching staff to begin the year in, in August, and then they're split up and they draft teams, uh, groups of guys that they want to be 
leaders of. And, and then what happens is, is small problems or small issues go to the battalion leaders and they talk about it as a group. And if there's something that needs to be brought to the coaching staff or Coach Nasby, then the battalion leaders either suggest their solution or you know, they, they talk to each other, however many that is. We, I believe we had 11 this past year. And then they come up with a solution that's good for the entire whole. And, and what that does for us is it, it provides a connection between the players and then the coaching staff, which sometimes there can be a disconnection, especially if you're a pitching guy, you're not really talking to the hitters or the defense all that much and vice versa. So the battalion leader mold or motto is has really worked out well for us and and it's provided an avenue for the guys to learn how to lead um, small groups and then um, in turn big groups and how to lead the the team and to, through situations that are off the field and on the field no I really like that I, I think that that is a little bit of kangaroo court that you hear a lot of say that Coach Gellner or Jonathan Gellner showed up late to practice and would you hand that off to the battalion leaders and what would be an example of what they would do? Well, I learned this a long time ago, probably in my first or second year of coaching and I always give the student athlete the benefit of the doubt. So before it's, you know, the incentives are hand down or, you know, I, I we rush to judgment, we ask, we just talk and we have, we build a relationship through that. Guys are know that they're supposed to be held accountable and they're responsible for their whereabouts and their responsibilities through practice and class and through this team and and so we try to have an open dialogue and and maybe there's something going on between the player that had class or the car broke down or uh you know they slept through practice or they slept late like this you got to remember these are eighteen to twenty two year old guys like something happens and and we got to give them the benefit of the doubt, or at least we try to to begin with, and and then move on from there. So most of the time, I would say, uh, you know, uh, something to that matter is is held, uh, you know, held accountable within the team and and within the coaching staff. And you know, it, it it's one of those things. Uh, I think more of the the battalion leaders take care of off the field incidents, uh, things that guys that see that may be an issue or maybe a problem they handle um, before we need to get involved. And you just see a lot of things being handled before the coaches even know about it. And that's that's part of what the responsibility is of, of the battalion leaders and, and something that they take on and, and they they embrace the challenge of that. Um, and the rest of the guys that, that are in those groups and are in those battalions, they respect their leaders and uh, you know, they talk to them a lot about just life things and just uh, most of it, honestly, it goes beyond baseball and goes into families and friendships and relationships and that kind of thing. Oh, that's a great answer there. So we just finished the fall and we left for winter break. Can you take us through what you guys would do to get your guys ready for the preseason and then the season? Yep. Like I said, we're very organized and, and probably psychotic at some point i'm sure guys think are we're crazy with all of our organization and, and calendars and 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 the way that we do things but really we're trying to eliminate question and, and with the way that we do things the way that we know how to run things our guys know exactly what they're doing so throughout the fall we we do our live dates it's the same thing for the pitching staff the winter they'll have their live dates. they'll have exactly what they're doing when they come back 
when they're planning on going. By that time, we pretty much have a good idea of who's starting, who's doing what, what role, where we need to get them physically. We do a really good job in the weight room and conditioning and, and, and our programs that all of us put together for our guys to have them ready for opening day. And then from that that point, it's a process. You're, you're back to your U program. Uh, you're back to getting in routine, getting strong, maintenance at that point, and then we're on the haul. We're, we're getting after it and trying to win games in the spring. So your guys do a lot of backwards planning. Yeah, yeah, we work backwards. So it's really all key, for, and especially for the pitching staff, it's key to know when they're supposed to go live, when they're supposed to throw off a mound, and then they work backwards from there. So I'll give you an example. If Johnny X is starting on Friday, then Johnny knows that he needs to work backwards from Thursday to be ready to go on Friday. So he uses his U program. Uh, he knows what days he did everything. By that point, he's gone through 16 weeks of it. He has his perfect U program. He knows when he wants to throw his flat ground or his decline, his incline work, when he's getting his competitive bullpen sessions in. It's all mapped out. And honestly, from a coaching standpoint, it's it's easy from our point is once once the guys buy in and once they get their program set, we know what we're doing seven days a week uh, in a practice time and, and to get ready for scrimmage time. A good friend of mine a couple weeks ago gave me this quote, complexity of organization leads to ease of execution. I think that, that fits right in. So that's Beautiful. I've taken that yep. one to heart and, and I really like that one. Uh, I agree. That's I, I like that a lot. Sometimes it seems more than what it is and and really you get into it and you figure out oh it's just figuring out my day before I get to my day. So a question that I have and and I don't know how often you deal with two-way players but what's your best advice on how to get those guys work? Well it's one thing that we do extremely well here. I don't know I don't want to toot our own horn a a jury but I'll give a prime example, Ryan Colombo, who is a senior for us and, and has been a two-way guy for us as he started his career four years ago, just won the Josh Willingham National Player of the Year Award for D2 players, So, um, and that's for awesome. two-way guys. And it's definitely time management. They have to learn what their bodies can do, how their bodies can do it, and when they can do it, and how they can be successful on both sides of the ball part of it is, is the foundation. Like I said, we got to go back to the player himself and it goes back to the recruiting process. Uh, it's something that we identify very early uh, in the recruiting process that an individual student athlete can play both sides of the ball and, and do it successfully. Um, and we've proven that here that uh, with working together, Coach Hughes and myself, and then in the weight room and the structure of how we're moving about and taking care of our, our the physical side of it, right? And then, and then definitely the mental side of it. Ryan Colombo is a, a prime example of that it can work and it can work to the highest extent. Well, that's great. Say after the season, you guys are taking inventory and deciding that these things worked and these things didn't. So what's your process of deciding how you're going to fix it? Players. <laughs> the players, like I said, man, the, the foundation is through those guys. So usually the seniors will tell you what didn't work. Um, because there's no, there's no longer, uh, uh, hesitancy of, of what they might say might hurt them in the long run of playing time or anything like that. So, um, the seniors are pretty open at that point and, and uh, they'll let you know what they liked and, you know, what they would like to see within the program. And, and a lot of the times it's, it goes beyond 
playing or playing time or anything like that. So uh, a lot of times we get suggestions from them. And then we have an open dialogue with the guys that are returning about what they want, what they want to see. Now, not everything that they get, but, you know, we try to make the, the adjustments. And uh, an example of this is where the U program came out of. And those guys wanted something more directed for them. And so that's what we did. We we adjusted what we do coaching-wise and what I've done as a pitching coach and, and developed this program. And I think Coach Hughes does a really good job at doing that and developing his program and, and the continued development. And then Coach Nasby, from a from a head coach uh, perspective, is is always trying to do things better within the program and make it more efficient, and always try to get better. and And to be quite honest, we're we're never there yet until we're at the bottom of the dog pile at the end of the year, and and really only one one team and one program and one coaching staff can say that each year. So uh, I, I think everybody's hunting for that and chasing that, and you know have those dreams and those uh, aspirations to be better every year. Well, I think I've been in baseball for, uh, let's see, 23 years. And, yeah, I still haven't gotten the gotten the dogpile moment, so I'm waiting for that as well. I don't know if you have. Have you? Yeah, we've won some championships here. Um, I've, I've been a for, a fortunate to see some guys get tackled on the mound. But we talk about having one goal here in, at Drury. We've, we've won our conference championships. We've won regular season championships. We haven't dogpiled at a regional yet. We've been a swing away. We've been a couple games away, and it's something that keeps motivating our guys. It's definitely a motivational tool that our alumni use to make us better and and help us get to the goal that we want. We we want to go. We want to go to the World Series. We want to win the World Series, and and that's that's a primary goal for this program. So let's get into the advice section a little bit. And I know that whenever I was a younger coach. And I had just started out, I was a catcher and I was working with pitchers and I didn't even think about this until I got out there, but I got out to the mound and I was like, man, I don't even know what to say because I'm not <laughs> no longer their peer. I'm their, I'm their coach. And so as a catcher, you know, you, you can say some things that different than what a coach would say. So as a coach, I was, you know, I rambled through and I can't even remember what I said, but, uh, sure. what, what is a typical mound visit? What do you guys say? Well, it's funny. My mound visits are probably a little bit different. Uh, you know, I, I guess that's hard to say because I don't go on other people's mound visits, but I, I think it's very uh, temperamentic in, in who you're dealing with. I, I, I've said this a lot and through this, you know, I was talking today, but it's the foundation. It's the players. You got to know the guys. You got to know uh, what pitcher, you know, what he ticks and what he moves off of, and and how you can you can relate to them in the moment. And everybody, everybody's different. They're they're all different, and that's what's fun about this job is that I know one guy can react to this way and and may not react this way. So to be quite honest, sometimes I don't even go out there. I, I just clean off the rubber and I don't say anything. So. It's one of those things where they just need calm down or they need to hear a different voice and they just need to slow the game down a little bit. And then sometimes it's just a, a quick reminder of uh, the situation that we're in and, and what we're trying to do and, and go from there. So mound visits can be very entertaining at jury. So it's fun. And I get three of them. So I try to use them all every game. I got, I got that advice from uh, Drew Mackey, who's at Northern Illinois. He was, 
he was my coworker at Eastern. He told me to use all my mountain visits. I get, I get three of them, get, get out there. So, you know, sometimes it's just going out there, cleaning off the rubber and, and giving them a second and getting back to the dugout. Now we're into the off season. And what is the latest thing learned that you're really excited about? I'm excited about letting these guys learn who they are. I think at times we, especially as pitching coaches, seem to delve into the mechanics and we got to get here to this point and that point to to make this and that work. And, and really, the longer I've done this and I'll be in my 11th year, uh, the more that I've allowed or, or expressed freedom of movement, body will reorganize organize itself. We talk about just throwing knockout punches and, and two feet. If we can do those two things, we're going to be pretty successful. And I'll take my chances with that. The guys that we recruit are competitors. So that's something that we try to identify pretty early. And so that's, that's fun. I just want to enjoy it. I want them to enjoy it. To be quite honest, this will be my first group that I've seen freshmen to seniors. So um, my first four-year group, and I'm really excited to see that group and what we've done as a staff and to see their development and, and really just, just stay in my lane and get out of the way. That's what I'm looking forward to the most. You mentioned earlier that you tried a one-size-fits-all solution to your pitching staff at the beginning of your career, and then you realized that it wasn't the best way to do it. Are there any other things that you used to think were absolutes, but you may have changed your mind about? Yeah, I think that that happens every year. You know, I think if you're going to be, we're going to look at the mirror and and really self-evaluate. I think there's things that we do every year that, that we got to do better and, and we would like to do better. And I know one of my, my weaknesses and my faults is being able to hold or give accountability to our guys and having them learn how to hold themselves accountable and how to do that. And so that's, that's one of the things I'm going to learn. And I've, I've been trying to learn how to help our guys to be able to do that. It's, it's something that I, we're going to adjust the U program this year to to help them do that, to help them through that process. Because the quicker they can learn to appreciate and and like accountability, self accountability, the better that we'll be. And and that goes back into the four and the forty. It's if they can be, if they can learn to be accountable and and hold themselves accountable uh, without you know the fear of incentives or the fear of you know of, of retribution. Uh, the better they'll be. They'll be better husbands and, and better fathers and, and better workers in the private sector. And it's something that I need to do a better job as, as a coach and as a mentor uh, of, of helping young people become better people. The last question I have for you before you go is okay. you mentioned the U program as one of your resources. Yep. What are some yep. other resources that have shaped your coaching career? Oh, there's a lot of them. Um, I, I don't know that I can specifically quote one um, because I, I pull a lot of things. Uh, Wasserman's stuff is is incredible. It, you know, it's his organization is is through the roof. To be quite honest, I pull a lot of stuff from a lot of different sports. Football is is one of the best, and and not a football guy by any means. But what they do organizational wise. You know, the other side of the game has it figured out too. That the hitters are starting to do their weighted bat programs and uh, acceleration programs, and 
we need to make sure that we're on the same page and we're progressing with them because, you know, they're the ones that are on the other side of the ball trying to beat us. And we got to make sure that we're, we're progressing just as much, if not more. So, uh, obviously driveline Kyle, those guys do a great job out there. Pitchers combat down in Texas, but hey, the, the lot of guys do a lot of great things out there. And, and we, we mentioned it briefly earlier about Twitter and, and the social media platforms. It's, the one thing that I've noticed uh, that's gotten better over the last three or four years is the willingness to share information. I, I think that at some point we we stop sharing our information. I, I think that the ABCA does a, an outstanding job. Sheets over there is phenomenal. He, he's he's really changed the face of of what their social media platform is and and how he gets baseball out there and how he uh, identifies and 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 really brings the people that do a really good job in this business from all levels. And I, and I'm talking D3, NAI, JUCO, D1, D2, high school level, uh, club level. There's some really, really good baseball people and minds out there that, that, that help us and, and help us get better each day. So it, it's fun. It's a great time to be in this business and, and be in this game. That's for sure. Definitely. And, and I don't think the game's ever been better than it is right now you look at it from just a development standpoint and strength and conditioning and just to echo your sheets resource yeah i mean he's done a fantastic job i i can't even remember remember what the social media abca looked like before he took over yeah i've known sheets for a long time he he used to do the top 96 camps and uh the guy was a grinder he, he was a the camp guy volunteer in kentucky and Man, when I when I heard or found out that he was taking over uh, basically ABCA and the social media platform, and I, I knew that there wasn't a better guy for the job, and and you know he gave up his uh, head head coaching position at Spalding, and I know that had to be a tough thing to do, but he he dedicated his career to this point to to the betterment of the game, and and man, what a I, I don't know if I could find a better guy to do that, and uh, you know I can't pump him up enough for for what he's done. I love him to death, and he, he's been phenomenal for the game. But also, I mean, how well connected are the coaches on, on Twitter now that he does the, the every other oh. week Twitter chats and now that he does the yeah. podcast? I mean, I've, I've met so many guys just because of that because not a lot of guys can go to the, the national clinic every year. And, yeah. you know, right. I, would, I would love to. That's on my list to do this year. But, but just to be able to reach out to some of those guys on just the hashtag ABCA chat, and then to listen yeah. to, you know, the podcast every other week, it's just been a fantastic resource. So he's done a great job. Yeah. You know what he's done the best is he's he's proven what we've all known for a long time. And, and that the community, the baseball community is a very, very small community. What he's done the best is connect those. And, and he's provided a platform and, and an element uh, where, you know, we all can we can chat at the same level as, as what we think is a guy that's at the top of the game. Uh, you know, and, and for me where I think I'm, you know, at the bottom of it, trying to get to the top. So, you know, I, I just, he's done such a good job with it. And then there's other platforms too. You talk about, uh, Freeman, the pitching ninja and pitching 101. And I could go on and on and on. There's, there's so many guys that have put out their stuff that, that is really good and informative and stuff that they stand behind and they believe in. And it's just, it's been incredible the last, progression in the last two or three years four years of of information is awesome 
Well, Coach Peterson, I really appreciate you taking the time to be on the show with us today. And uh, is there anything else that you'd like to tell our listeners before you go? I just appreciate your time. I'm incredibly grateful and humble. Uh, I appreciate you reaching out to me. Um, I'm glad we could finally get our schedules together with with our crazy schedules. And like I said, this is this is a special moment for me, and I appreciate it. And and uh, I can't wait to learn from everybody else and and listening to these podcasts. I I think you're doing a great thing for the game, and and uh, I appreciate everything you're doing. and, And and thank you for having me on. Do you mind throwing out some contact info in case some uh, of our listeners want to get in touch with you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Anybody can uh, – I I try to do a good job of of following back on on Twitter, and it's just Eric Peterson, E-R-I-C-P-E-T-R-S-O-N-713. I'd love to follow other people and make connections and uh, in that way. And then you could always email me, epeterson004 at Drury, that's D-R-U-R-Y dot E-D-U, and then uh, you can always call if you want to, leave a voicemail on my on my uh, office phone, it's 417-873-7847, 417-873-7847. I try to do a 48-hour rule, so I try to get back to everybody within 48 hours and, and try to contact you back then, so look forward to talking to everybody, and once again, this was awesome, I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Ahead of the Curve. If you'd like to get in touch with me or view the show notes, you can find all of that information on our website at aotcpodcast.com. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review to help others find and stay ahead of the curve.